This is my instant reaction to Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Just left the theater from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm going to do no spoilers up front. Light spoilers on the back end. There'll be a nice little demarcation line in between. No full spoilers for this one. And I'm going to try to keep it brief. Um, we got to go back to the original Black Panther. Um, there are plenty of critics, film reviewers of color who you should seek out to cover the original film and this film. My experience of the original, watching the original Black Panther in theaters was I was in, over their opening day, I was in a predominantly black audience, I would say 95%. And uh, it was very hard to get tickets. Uh, if, if you remember the phenomenon that that was. And um, so I had uh, pretty not great ones kind of up towards the front. And... I was sitting in a row with uh, families, but a lot of elderly black folk. And uh, it, it, it was like that experience of watching them take in the movie as I'm taking in the movie. And the movie is just, you know, the soundtrack, everything is as cool as hell. Chadwick Boseman, who is like, just had the dignity, nobility of a statesman. Like he was like, you know, just like a president walking in a room. And he had a relatively short career on top as a, as a kind of a main event player in Hollywood with the spotlight on him. But in a relatively short period of time, and not a collection of necessarily great films, he amassed uh, something beyond film, which he became sort of this iconic figure. Um, globally, and obviously part of that is his portrayal of T'Challa, but it's, it was more so just the way that he carried himself. He carried himself as a dignitary long before he played the king of Wakanda. So it, just, it was a perfect casting sort of situation. He just imbued that film with such a great sense of dignity and class, uh, which he reportedly wasn't just an on-screen persona thing that he brought to his roles, but who he was as a person. If you've ever seen interviews with him, it's very much the same thing. So to watch. Elderly folks who uh, I'm guessing weren't keeping up to date with the minute by minute minutia of the MCU, and probably had seen some MCU movies, were definitely there, not for Marvel, but they were there to see not just a black superhero, but a superhero whose part of his strength was black excellence and blackness. And this is a black forward film even though it's a fictional country. And in that way, it almost transcends because he represents, as does Wakanda, Black Panther represents black folks everywhere. And so to, that is a greater level of representation than um, just a superhero who shares your melanin. So to watch these elderly folks weep in the theater over, quote-unquote, a comic book movie, it's like, that goes beyond just like, oh, well, there's somebody on the screen that looks like me. That's important. That part is important. This is beyond that. This is this character 
and the Killmonger character, they are, and, and all of Wakanda and of the story that Ryan Cooler is telling, it is tapping into something of black experience. And I would say the very least black experience in the North America. And there is a pain and a sadness and a, I don't know, again, seek out those voices. It's, it's something that he's imbued also in Creed, the first Creed that he wrote the story for. As, as thr- in, thrilling as Creed is, there is a sadness to it. There is a sadness within the character. There is a commentary on the larger, you know, black experience that uh, Adonis experiences or that Eric Killmonger experiences or that T'Challa experiences. And uh, that movie was important for this. So for, on that experience alone, it was like four stars for me. Even though I really didn't like the third act and, uh, you know, just all the stuff that we could get into is like a movie, but there's something about it that it, it transcends being a movie and it becomes a, a myth. Um, it becomes a myth that has the power to bring comfort, understanding, hope, encouragement for people who, um, for a variety of centuries-long systemic reasons globally, millennial, millennia reasons globally, um, that those, those forces, uh, those, those ideas of hope and excellence and greatness and beauty and power have been stripped away. And so it's, it's sort of, even though it's this comic book movie, it is restoring dignity to people for whom dignity has been and continues to attempt to be taken away from. Okay. So that's like a four-star experience just for the fact that it exists and for the fact that it is as... It is Ryan Coogler telling the story he wants to tell. This film is Ryan Coogler telling the story with all those same values but telling the story that he has to tell. Telling a story he has to tell, tell because there, this gift in T'Challa, as portrayed by Chadwick Boseman, has been taken away. It's another instance in which something meant to inspire black hope has been taken from them. And a, black, a gift of black greatness and excellence given to the world has been taken from all of us. That's a heavy load to reckon with. But you have to, because if it's just the guy that played Ant-Man died, nothing against Paul Rudd, but whatever, pick a character, right? You know, pick a white character. The guy who played blank died. That's heavy enough, right? This beloved character died. That's heavy enough. But factor into it what it means culturally to an underserved, underrepresented, mistreated people, a continent's worth of people who are a part of a diaspora across the face of the earth. That's a, that's a, and someone like Kugler, so just in tune, aware, brilliant, 
he's got to reckon with that. You gave the world an icon, and now you have to tell the story of another black icon brought down too soon. In this instance, not an assassin's bullet, but a real-life illness, and that's what factors into the film. We have to deal with a world post-Black Panther. And not post the movie, not post the phenomena, not post saving the universe as an Avenger, post-mortem. And what do you do with that? What do, what do these characters do with that? And so here's what I would say. I think that this movie is going to be enjoyed by a lot less people. Because the first movie was all about black excellence and black greatness. Now, there's some complicated stuff in there, too, right? So I don't just want to like paper over that and go, oh well, whatever. It was nah, he he Cooler put some sneaky stuff in there, right? Some subversive stuff in there. Uh so there's a lot going on in there. Uh just like you did with Creed. So then you have this film. Well, let's go to the first film. The first film is has this sort of like this whiz bang quality to it. It's got this amazing soundtrack. It's got this really cool, you know, just everything about it. It's just it's just sleek. It's cool. It's great. It's exciting. It's a celebration of Black Panther. It is a celebration of blackness. It is a celebration for people that they finally have a, a movie in the biggest franchise in film history, the biggest cinematic moment in film history. I know that's going to make film Twitter's toes curl. I don't care. It is a fact from box office alone, let alone cultural impact, the MCU is the single greatest anything that has happened to film, other than it's probably like, you know, on the technical side. But I'm talking about from a series of films. It's, it's bigger than anything else. It's bigger than Star Wars. It's bigger than anything Spielberg has done. It's, it's just, it's massive. Is it indebted to the what came before it? Absolutely. Does it have its problems? Absolutely. Da, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. But the fact of the matter is when history looks back on it, this is going to be the biggest thing. It's a over a decade's worth of cultural domination. It's never been done before. It's been attempted to be replicated, never successfully. And it will never happen again. And Kugler brings black folks to the table. Black Panther brings them, gives them a seat at the table, at that big-ass table. Before women, <laughs> before other ethnic groups, they have a seat. And they get to be, it's not just a seat, they're royalty. If you don't understand what that means, you're not thinking hard enough. And you shouldn't have to think that hard. That is gone in essence because it was personified in Black Panther, the character personified in Chadwick Boseman, the man. Because that's who he was. That's what he brings to the character. That's what allowed it to be that for the world with Kugler's story and his vision and brilliance. You cannot have a movie where the king is dead and the, mo the movie is just like, fuck yeah, hit the needle drop. You know, give me that Kendrick Lamar, let, let's fucking party. Like, that. you can't do that. Because it would feel so disingenuous. 
So what this movie is thematically, it is a funeral and it is three hours of mourning while somehow also serving the larger need of making accessible pop entertainment. I don't know that anybody's ever tried to make a sad action movie, (laughs) a sad action movie that is truly grappling with not one, not two, not three, not four, but a nation's worth of grief and really dive into characters. I don't know anybody's ever done it. Kugler has done it. And I think that that is, you're going to leave the theater because the, the, the movie never gets out of second gear. And that's exactly where it should be. This movie should never go into third gear, and it never does because it would, it would be so offensive. Doesn't mean there isn't action. There is. Doesn't mean there's epic action sequences. There are. It doesn't mean there isn't characters who punch each other in the face. There are. But the staging, the framing, the scoring of those scenes, and the character motivations by those scenes is, comes out of a place of grief, loss, and mourning. So it pitches the entire story different. It pitches the entire feel of the movie different. And that's a feel that I think if you're just going for escapism at the box office in the movie theater, that a lot of people are going to go, well, this isn't as good as the first one. My response to that is this is better than the first film. This is better than Black Panther. Is it leagues better? It looks leagues better, but is it leagues better? Probably not. Will I be bumping this soundtrack for the next five years of my life? No, I will not. But this is a better film. This is the best thing in phase four of MCU, hands down. Hands down. I think phase four has been a massive cold streak. That's my opinion on it. It doesn't mean there haven't been moments that I've enjoyed. I'm probably one of three people on earth who really thought Hawkeye was pretty great only because it didn't mean anything. It was like watching a ABC family, like early late nineties, early two thousands, like Christmas movie. Like that's what it was. So I like accepted it as that. And like, who gives a shit? Who the fuck is Hawkeye? Anyway, I should care that we should build some great movie, like great series around him and his protege, like all these junior Avengers that they're shoving in every movie. And TV series. But I, I, I really liked it. I like She-Hulk. I accepted it exactly for what it was. I was, I was a convert to She-Hulk because I was like, this looks like garbage. And I think it, maybe the first two episodes, maybe plus or minus, were garbage. But somewhere along the, lot, along the way, the show kind of found itself. So I think there's been a lot of MCU TV that's been passable to pretty good. For what it is on the t- on a TV level, I think the movies have been terrible. Even movies, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. Now, like, I will never watch this phase again. There's nothing. I'm never going to go back and go, yeah, Shang-Chi. Like, I'm still like, how do you fuck up the Mandarin? Twice. <laughs> you finally bring a real actor, and you're like, ah, let's just kill him. And it's like, ugh. Anyway. And so it's just been a miss. It's been a no for me, okay? It's been a miss. It's just my personal taste on it. Again, doesn't mean there aren't moments I haven't liked, characters I don't like. I like Elena. I like, you know, I, I, there's good stuff in there, but as far as, like, I'm on board for this whole thing, no. 
And that was going to happen anyways. Like you cannot come off of the high of Infinity War and Endgame and just be, and then just be like, and we're going to do it again. Like we're going to go to the next level. Like just things don't work that way. There, there has to be a bit of a downturn so that we can build back up to something. Which still, in my opinion, remains to be seen. Phase four, if you count these phases, the Lady Wan tells us not to. But if you count these phases, if you don't get that reference, check our Marvel ranking episodes. We've ranked the first three phases, I think. Um, will I rank phase four? No, I will not, because I will not be revisiting these movies. Um, <laughs> other than this one. Um, but if you actually follow the phases as something, to mean something, some, some demarcations in the storytelling, and phase four is going to be this giant bridge and setting up the next generation of young actors who have much lower salary demands and setting up, you know, in the next 10 years of movies, next 20 years of movies, uh, junior Avengers sort of shit, which comic books do all that stuff all the time. So this movie has to serve that purpose too, but while also being some piece of pop entertainment, while also being about how do we mourn the loss of T'Challa? what he means to people beyond being a superhero, what he means. You remember the Halloween after black Panther? Do you remember how many little black boys and little black girls were dressed up as black Panther or characters from the movie? How do you tell that kid, those kids? <clears throat> Sorry. I just got out of this movie. It's heavy. How do you tell those kids he's gone? So it is, this movie is as much about giving the audience space to feel that loss and mourn it. And if that doesn't resonate with you, or if you come from a different cultural context, because I know we have an audience around the world, and you don't understand, like, if it's just, if you, if you don't vibe with that, then you're probably not going to like this movie, you know, because it's going to, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel, you know, ugh. You know, it's not going to, because it's three hours, you know, right? And it's like three hours sitting in some kind of uncomfortable feelings. It doesn't mean it's boring. It doesn't mean that's like a slog. But I could see people getting the vibe and confusing it for pace. I think this is an actually extremely well-paced movie. I know some people feel like, well, the third act feels rushed, or maybe this should have been two films. Maybe. Maybe. There might have been, but I think... Maybe this should have, you know, maybe the part of this should have been Black Panther 2 and part of this should have been Black Panther 3. Maybe. I could see that, but I think one of them would suffer. And instead, I think you end up with an excellent film that maybe, maybe tries to do a little too much. But that's just where we are with filmmaking. And I'd rather a movie try to do too much in the MCU with human emotion and wrestling with its own identity and its own place of meaning to in important cultural ways, you know, not in some navel gazing way, but like not in the way of like, well, what did Iron Man mean to the MCU? Like, fuck off, man. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't like we've seen a lot of murals of Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. It's a whole different vibe when you see a mural of Chadwick Boseman in this movie. So, um, four stars. Go see it. Go see it in theaters. Go see it on a big, big screen. Um, you may cry. I certainly did. 
Um, oof. Mm. It's just, I mean, it's just, Kugler is a master of telling pop stories that are just, are really like about grief and loss and loss of father figures. So, you know, it's going to push the buttons for people who've lost father figures. So four stars, go check it out. I will be right back after this with some light spoilers. Jason, why do I need this lawnmower 4.0? Why do I need to get the performance package 4.0? I've got a dirty, old, rusty-ass razor that sits in my shower on that little ledge thing covered in soap scum. Yeah, I might get a few ingrown hairs here or there, but what's the big deal? What's so great about the lawnmower 4.0? I'll tell you what's so great about the lawnmower 4.0 and the performance package 4.0. The trimmer itself... I've had, this is the third iteration I've had. This is the sleekest design yet. The advanced skin safe technology has advanced yet again. This thing is waterproof. It comes with an LED spotlight up to 4,000K, baby. So I'm not fumbling around in my dark and dreary shower in the middle of my dark and dreary life trying to figure out how to clean myself up down there so I don't have a stinky basket, so I don't have a stinky hog. My hog runs wild because I use Manscaped 4.0. Come on, I want your hog running wild. I got a little shaver, I got it for nine bucks off of Amazon, wonderful. But you have a weed whacker that's also waterproof, that also has skin safe technology. Do you have to worry about nicks, snags, tugs in your nose holes or your ear holes or your butthole? I don't think so. Do they send you a crop preserver ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner that will absolutely revolutionize your hygiene game? That's going to entice the ladies and fellas in your life. The loved ones in your life will thank you. And you will thank me if you go to Manscaped. And if you get the Performance 4.0, which I think you should, obviously, guess what they're going to do? They're going to give you some boxers. They're going to give you a little nice little travel bag. You're going to be able to put all your cozy little comforts in your little travel bag. You're going to be able to take it around the world. And I want to get you free shipping around the world and 20% off. Just go to manscaped.com and insert the code binge movies. Get 20% off free shipping with the code binge movies. Manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping. Manscaped.com. Just use the code binge movies. It's the name of the show. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, light spoilers. I'm just going to basically cover what the plot is. Um, so if you don't want to know anything about the plot, don't listen to this. Just go see the movie. Trust me. Four stars. Go pay full ticket price. Use your A-list, your Cinemark. Go on a matinee. Avoid spoilers. Get offline. If you, you know, it, Here's the other thing. If you're like, oh, well, like I don't want the mid-credit scene to be ruined, this movie doesn't have any of that kind of shit. There's stuff that they're setting up for other installments of the MCU. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays Chef Boyardee, who is now the director of the CIA. Uh, and turns out to be, maybe we already knew this, uh, the colonizer, guy from Sherlock, Martin Mar, the Hobbit. Oh, my God, I see his face. Oh, oh God, whatever. You know his name. Um, uh, turns out to be his ex-wife. And you would think that would be like f- kind of funnier than it is, but the whole movie just kind of has this 
even when there are jokes, they're they're. Here's what you could tell: this cast is processing some shit, and obviously not everybody knew Chadwick, and certainly not everybody that worked with him was close with him necessarily. But by all accounts, some of these people were. So, um, Angela Bassett. Let's start there. Is one of the most beautiful women who's ever lived, and is an extremely talented actress. And I know she got her due. I think she played Tina Turner way back in the nineties, and so she kind of—I don't want to say she like peaked early, as far as like Hollywood giving her her due, but she's never stopped being good. She wasn't necessarily good in Critters Four, but from that point forward, she's never not been good, and she's been in some lousy movies. It's time for a renaissance. And she's outstanding in this movie. Um, everybody is outstanding in this movie. And everybody, you're watching real people. It just, it just blurs the fucking lines. You're watching real people say real things about Chadwick Boseman, but they're saying T'Challa. And it's never winking and knowing it is real. And it is real grief. And then, but at the same time, it never feels exploitative. It never feels as if, oh, yeah, we're going to use the death of Chala to you know, get people to care about our fictional universe or whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, the, 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 the basic plot of the movie is this. The plot is that uh, an undisclosed group of people who, rumor has it, might have ties to Dr. Doom. And maybe that has also been excised from this movie because he does not make an appearance. Although if he did, it would have made perfect fucking sense. And if later they're like, turns out he was the instigator of this, it would make perfect sense. And I think you get the guy who has been playing, and somebody will say, well, he's already been in the MCU. There's like three people who'd be perfect for Dr. Doom, in my opinion. Mads Mikkelsen, who you've already used, but who the fuck cares? Anybody remember him being the villain in Doctor Strange? I'd just be like, Mads, you're Dr. Doom. You're, what, what's this, a Victor Von Doom? Dr. Baron Victor Von Doom? Mr. Chili McFreeze? Okay. I was like, fuck it, just, just do it. Second good uh, option is Christoph Waltz. Although the danger there is that almost can almost feel like parody. So I don't know if he, uh, but he'd be really good. The other option is the guy who I can never remember his name, but he's the villain in the last couple of Mission Impossible movies. The guy with a really distinct, creepy fucking voice. He'd be a great Doctor Doom. And somebody will say, well, he's already been in an MCU movie and whatever. He probably has. But he'd be great. Uh, I want them to do Doom, and I want them to do Doom justice. Justice for Doom! Because he is the greatest villain in Marvel, and in my opinion. And other than the Kingpin. And you just do that guy fucking right. Like, you fucked up the Mandarin so bad. And your excuse was, well, it's a racist caricature, da, da, da. You could have done something with it, but you fucked it up twice, motherfuckers. Don't fuck up Dr. Doom. Please, God, don't fuck up Dr. Doom. Um, although I think Jonathan Majors is going to be fantastic uh, as Kang, the Conqueror, or some version of Kang, or all versions of Kang. 
Anyway, I, I've gone Marvel mad. Anyway, there's an undisclosed, undefined group of people who have figured out that there is vibranium in the ocean. And there's not supposed to be any vibranium anywhere but Wakanda. But by searching for this vibranium and using this technology, which turns out they stole from a girl at MIT, who's played uh, Riri Williams, who is Ironheart, who is basically going to be the new Iron Man, uh, the new Tony Stark, essentially. Um, and that's the setup of the Stark tech, remember, has gotten out. And so she's got plans for the arc reactor and certain plans for certain Iron Man things that she's gotten from somewhere. I don't question that, though, because if they're like, hey, Stark Tech is missing, that should be on the Internet so fast. That shit would be on the dark web so fast. And if you're like a super genius kid at MIT, <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to download it. She's pretty good, I'm going to say, like, especially up front. There's just so much Wakanda story and Namor, and the, as they call him in this intermittently, Namor and Namor, which the origin of that name, I will not spoil, but it's very clever. I don't know if it comes from the comic books. Joe, don't tell me. Don't DM me and go, well, actually, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't care. It's great in this movie. And if somebody in the comic books wrote it, congrats to them. If Ryan Cooler came up with it, he's a fucking genius. If the other guy who wrote this movie came up with it, he's a fucking genius. Whoever came up with that, fucking genius. Um, this affects Namor, 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 and the ocean people who, if you told me then this entire movie is Ryan Cooler trying to make Avatar Way of Water before Avatar Way of Water, I would be like, mm, I kind of believe you. Which they're like these uh, basically Mesoamerican blue people, you know, if, if the Mayans and Aztecs were uh, blue and became mutants. Actually, none of them are mutants except for Namor, who does use the term mutant and calls himself a mutant because he's kind of a mix between these two people and they explain it. He just files his mutants. There you go. Uh, again, we're setting up mutants. Uh, and he's pissed because he doesn't want the surface world to get um, vibranium and he doesn't want them to discover their civilization. And he knows if... You know, if they have vibranium, they'll be on equal footing. And they're, ba they're basically like another Wakanda. That's just the best way to put it. Instead of the, the where, where Wakanda is this hidden people in some unknown part of Africa, they are like Wakandans in an unknown part of the ocean. And the reason why they're ocean, in the ocean and have secluded themselves is just like why, you know, Wakanda has because of colonizers and uh, Spanish folk and the Spanish Empire and the Catholic Church and white people and everything else. So he basically gives Wakanda an ultimatum, which is, uh, it's he 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 essentially blames them and he says, "Look, the world didn't really know very much about about vibranium until the Black Panther revealed himself to the world." T'Challa's mistake was saying, hey, we're going to open up Wakanda and we're going to share technology and all this sort of shit. And he trusts these colonizers and they fucked him over, which is very true. And we see that in the movie. And he was noble and I'm not so noble. I only really give a shit about protecting my people. I do not want a war, but I want you to go clean this mess up, basically. Find the girl who built, because 
vibranium cannot be detected by traditional metal detectors, there is this very brilliant student at MIT, you can guess who it is, who has built a detector uh, or built the technology at the very least to discover vibranium. And that is what the CIA has stolen. And is, they've stolen the plans for it, just like she stole Stark's plans. And um, is using the technology to find this stuff. Lake Bell is one of the people involved in this, this, this oil rig-like setup to, to find the vibranium. And she's probably going to be a villain, would be my guess. Anyway, uh, she... He's like, here's what it is. The, Wakanda made this mess. It threatened my people. If you don't want to go to war with me, you get the girl and you deliver her to me as a basic sign of peace. And then I go back to the ocean. I leave you alone. You leave me alone. And don't tell anybody in the world about me. Like, we don't, we do not want to be found. And, you, you know, if, if people get their hands on vibranium, other than the Wakandans and other than our people, because they have it as well, um, we will destroy Wakanda. And the issue is there's no king, and there, Ramona has had to take the throne, and there is no Black Panther, because T'Challa is dead. So who is going to protect the people from this mutant threat and this threat that comes from the sea? And uh, that's the basic gist of the movie. Um, the thunderbolts, I think, uh, are definitely kind of set up. We only see, again, Theora Thea, Thea LaGuardia or whatever the fuck her name is. Baron Von Tess. I don't know. What the fuck is her name? Whatever. They say it like five times in this movie. I still can't retain it. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Um, she's now gained more power. I think they're definitely setting up her whatever. You know, you know the fucking fake. <laughs> the fake Captain America, U.S. agent, all this other shit. I don't give a fuck about any of that. So that's in here. Uh, Martin Campbell is his name. Martin Smith. Martin Smith. Martin Smith, the guy from Delirious. Who the fuck is this guy? Martin Campbell seems right to me. Um, yeah, he's caught in between because he owes the Wakandans for his literally his life and feels deeply indebted to T'Challa and Shuri. But he's also working for the government. And it's, it's all about essentially the United States and other world powers turning on Wakanda and Wakanda potentially getting into a war with Namor's people who I for the life of me, they said it a million times. I could never 100% make out what the name of his people group is. Um, and Namor is one of the coolest characters they've had in the MCU. He is presented like a boss. The actor is incredible. Pardon me. I don't know his name. I will find it. But this is an instant reaction. And he's great. He looks great. He's cool. Uh, it remains to be seen which way he's going to turn, you know, uh, throughout the film because he kind of goes back and forth and not really back and forth, like an inconsistent way. He just has a particular agenda and it's really hard to disagree with him, but also he's wrong, but also we love the Wakandans, but also Wakandans are not perfect people and they've never been presented as perfect. And that's something that Coogler did even in the first Black Panther by making Chala's dad a very imperfect character, killed his own brother. You know, it's just, 
abandon this son to America. And so um, I, I think we're definitely going to end up in a position where there at some point in the future, shit is going to come to a head and it comes to a head in this movie. And there are consequences. That's the other thing. There are consequences in this film. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, there's a really good chance that the United States of America is going to be the villain of the MCU going forward after this movie uh, or a secondary villain to your Kangs or your Dooms. I think the most brilliant thing they could do, this is, this is not in the movie at all. This is just supposition as I bring this to a close. The most brilliant thing that they could do is just make Doom, put him in, where's he at, Latveria? Just have him in his fucking castle just masterminding all of this shit. Like, why the fuck do you even have to know I exist? Why the fuck do you have to know anything about me? Because he's another king, another monarch, another person trying to take care of these people, right? Just say, fuck it. Because the, the real threats to me are who in the world, really? Uh, Wakanda? The Avengers, which do they even really exist at this point? Um, and Namor's people, Namor and his people, because Namor's like a mutant god. So if I get these people to kind of wipe each other off the board, the world's mine. And so is all of that vibranium. Right? So that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Fuck, have him. He's built an empire off of the back of former Hydra loyalists who are seeking revenge against Captain America and the Avengers and the United States government. And, da, 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 da. and so he's just going to bring them all down, bring down all the world powers to rule the world or whatever, whatever his nefarious goal will be. So. Give us doom. What was the line from that very terrible uh, Lost in Space movie? Which no one's ever questioned why I've never covered that. Anyway. Um, he's like, never fear. Smith is here. Right? Isn't that, wasn't that what it was? All I remember is that and Lacey Chabert, who uh, I had a crush on at the time. I mean, can you blame me? Dancing around with the CGI monkey with probably the squeakiest voice. Not the monkey, Chabert, I'd ever heard. Um, yeah, uh, where does this movie end? I'd have to get into some real heavy spoilers to get there. Uh, but it, it ends, but it does not end in a great place. It's a great, here's what it is. It's a great second film. It's setting up a much darker road for the MCU, potentially. Because ultimately, Coogler's not going to direct all this other shit. So, will there be continuity of this? Yes. But will the tone for the, what is in this film be pitched differently? Will we get more like slapdash, everything is silly, ha ha ha. Like, let's, we don't want to put real stakes in movies because we don't want to turn people off after this film? Potentially. That's what kind of sucks. Um, maybe let Coogler, I, you know, I don't want to just Ryan Coogler do nothing but MCU movies, but what could he do with other characters what could he do with an avengers movie maybe he doesn't want to do it right he's moved away from creed 
Uh, although he's doing the story for Creed 3, which gives me great hope because Creed 2, as much as I liked parts of it, doesn't hold a candle to the first Creed. So the fact that he's coming back, at least on a writing level, makes me happy. Okay, um, those are my thoughts on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, really good film. Again, not a fist pumper, not a fuck yeah, oh, but a lot of tears, still applause. And I would say the end of this movie got applause. I saw it way early, and so I did, was, did not have a full screening. Um, there was a lot of people there, but it was, it was, I got a chance to see it really, really early. And, uh, and I imagine evening showings that are happening as I record this are going to be really full. And I will imagine standing ovations and shit at certain parts. But it's, it, it, here's a great way to put it. This is not Spider-Man Far From Home or No Way Home, where it's just like fan service, fan service, fan service. Like, it's just a celebration of Spider-Man. And I'm not crapping on that, right? It's like, it's a celebration of 20 years of Spider-Man in film. That's what that movie really is. Fuck yeah, we're all here for it. Great. This is, this is the morning of a hero. So, and what do we do with our grief? How do we process grief? So, uh, I still think it's a very good movie. I didn't feel its length. I didn't feel it dragged. I thought it was paced exceptionally well for all the different things it had to do. And I think Coogler is one of our greatest living directors as, as, as far as popular entertainment goes. I think he just brings a lot of depth to what could otherwise be same old, same old, a legacy Rocky sequel. And he turned it, uh, turned in one of the most humane films of the last decade, black Panther, which could have just been like a goofy superhero movie. And he imbues it with so much, um, and Black Panther 2, same thing. So, all hail. <laughs> uh, not King Killmonger, all hail King Ryan Coogler. This guy's got the goods, man. He has got the goods. Fruitvale Station 2, check it out. Okay, those are my thoughts on Wakanda Forever. Um, let me know what you thought in either Letterboxd, letterboxd.com slash binge movies. On Twitter, at binge movies. Just be mindful of spoilers. Uh, you can also email us. That's old timey. Bingemovies at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Okay. Until next time. Binge on.